Hey, just in case you wondered, the Holy Spirit's here. Woo! <laughs> you know, Scott just prayed that we might hear your voice. Lord, my, the, the theme of my message this morning, God has a voice and he wants you to hear his voice. How's that? Hey, thank you for the introduction, listening to the Holy Spirit, Lord. So, last weekend, for those of you that were here, uh, we were challenged in our, perhaps, parameters we'd built around our understanding of the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom. And Putty Putman, he brought uh, revelation, I believe, uh, expanded in some parts of the word for those of us that are comfortable with what, he, uh, what we believe. And then he brought a bit of a paradigm shift to help us to be more aware of the expanding an expansion of perhaps what we've seen as the gospel and that we've limited the gospel to be about salvation when the gospel of Jesus Christ is about new life in Christ into forever. So, and, and I felt like there was so much packed into that weekend that it would have been, it would be good to revisit a lot of that. Now, I don't want to do that today, but I'm sure that um, for those of you that were at the conference, there's an ability to pick up on the, uh, the, the podcast afterwards. Uh, that would be really good because there was a lot that was said. But one of the things that wasn't focused on, or at least I didn't hear it, so maybe it wasn't, I missed it, was what I want to speak about this morning, which is that we are all meant to hear God's voice for us. Every one of us. It's not for the elite, it's for each one of us that we would hear God's voice. God spoke. The scripture begins with that. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it reads in the message, God spoke light and light appeared and light was good, etc., etc. Verse 6. God spoke, sky separated the water from the earth. Verse 9, God spoke, water and heaven. Verse 11, God spoke, earth green up. Verse 14, God spoke and the stars came. See, God speaks. God spoke creation into being. And then... God spoke and said, oceans be filled with fish, etc., etc. God spoke, earth, generate life. But then there's another thing. When we get to verse 26, after God's created everything by speaking, he then says, God spoke, let us make. God introduced himself as more than himself. He said, let us, and he was speaking to Jesus, the, the word, and to the Holy Spirit, the spirit who is with God and is God. And he said, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, not just the Father, not just the Son, not just the Holy Spirit, but the fullness of who God is was got God created with agreement, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in complete agreement that you and I, would be created in his, their image. Now, if that doesn't get you off to a good start at the beginning of the week, I don't know what does. God spoke. He agreed with himself. His committee in heaven, Father, Son and Holy Spirit said, I want to create David to just be like us. Put Insert your name in there. Because that's what God had in his heart when you were, before you were born. Before you were born. I've been speaking with some friends recently about in vitro fertilization, IVF. And one of the most incredible things about that is science has learned how to join the sperm and the egg and to implant into a, a, a woman's uh, womb. But you know what? They can do everything about matching it up and putting it together and everything, but there's one thing they can't do. The doctors believe that there's something that has to happen beyond what we can manipulate. 
And they say there has to be a spark that comes from outside of what we can control for life to begin. That spark is God going, yes. That spark is what happened in God's heart and mind before you were born, before I was born. That's why you can call me a bright spark. I thought I'd just drop that one in. No one was listening. Okay. So I got your attention again. Good. You see, God has had in his heart before you were born a desire for you to be born and a desire for you to be in his image. That, that, that just sort of keeps taking my mind to a place of unbelievable opportunity. It doesn't leave me stranded in my circumstances, I can tell you that. Whatever they might be, be they good or bad as I assess them. So God said and God spoke. He wanted us, it goes on and tells us here, he wanted us to be in charge of his creation, to oversee all of his creation. He said that we had responsibility and that we were responsible to see that all of his creation was cared for and that we were in charge. We were effectively put in charge of the earth. Now, you know, if you're in charge of a household, you understand how much there is to do. Just imagine in being in charge of the earth, how much you've got on your to-do list for the day. It's a bit scary. But we weren't meant to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just us in our finite state, it was us in the state of us being in the image of God. And so God has had, had given to mankind the responsibility for his creation. But then, then, after having been given dominion and power over all of creation, which is what God decreed upon us, he said, that was good. So not only did he create us, not only did he give us dominion over all creation, he then said, that's good. So he didn't say, oh, it was a good idea, but it sort of fell apart at the seams when David decided to do something. He, he, he wasn't sort of saying a conditional good. He said, that's good. That's good that I created you in my image and that I wanted you to do it. And you've got all this authority. And so the total interface of God was with and in mankind without any evil to deal with. We didn't have any darkness to deal with. And so God's heart was for us to live in this state of what people look for, nirvana, utopia, whatever you want to call it. We had that in the garden. That was God's original design and plan. But then, but then, along came the deceiver. Now, last time I preached, I talked about the father, our father, and I talked about the father of lies, who is Satan. And the father of lies came into the garden and he said to Adam and Eve, did God say you shouldn't eat from that tree, the knowledge of good and evil? And they said, yes. And he said, well, if you do that, you'll be like God and you'll know everything. And they were like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. We're a bit thick sometimes. They already knew everything. God had given us everything we needed to know. So Satan comes along and says, but there's something he's kept back from you. He's tried to not give you everything, not tell you everything. There's stuff he hasn't told you about. And so they go, oh, that's a good idea. We need to know that stuff. So let's have a chew of this apple. And of course, what happened was it had nothing to do with the apple. What it was, was the agreement that in our hearts, those of us then agreed that God was holding back on us and that this guy was giving us the full, the full deal. But what we did by believing him in the place of God is we gave him the dominion and the authority over the whole earth that had been given to us. That's what happened at the fall. We handed to Satan what had been rightfully given to us and our responsibility. All dominion over the whole earth was transferred from man to Satan. Done. 
So what did Adam and Eve do? It tells us they hid in the garden. They, they realised that something had changed. They had been naked and unashamed and suddenly they were like, oh, we better put some clothes on. I, I think that's an incredible first step. But anyway, that's a whole other story, my understanding of how God talks to us. But so they hid from God. And so God came in, it tells us in the scripture, into the garden to have a conversation with them. What was God going to do? He was going to speak to them because that's what he always did. That's what he designed us to be was the people he could speak to. And so what did they do? They hid in the garden so they couldn't meet with God because they were, they were like, well, something's changed here. And yes, it had. But there's another part of that story that we don't often think about either is that God kept coming and looking for them in the garden. He didn't go, Oi, where are you? Oh, well, I'll see you tomorrow. He came looking for them. He was pursuing them even at that point to have communion with them. So Satan had taken the place that was rightfully ours that God had created us to have and to place ourselves there. We embraced the separation. So not anymore did we want to really hear the voice of God because we probably didn't want to hear what he had to say. God then set about a plan to rescue us from the choice that was made in the garden. He wanted to reconnect with us and touch the ache in his heart for the apple of his eye, us. So what he did, he chose Israel. I'm, I'm compacting the Bible up here. And reintroduced himself in manifest form to Moses in the burning bush. I'm, I'm jumping a fair bit of history, but let's just go to there. And then progressively, he, he talked to Moses. <clears throat> and then we see that Moses comes to a place when he's leading the children along where God says, let's have a special meeting place. And they, God designed a meeting place, which they called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is a meeting place where man meets with God. This is how God constructed it. And it had to be holy because it needed to be separate. And so Moses began tabernacling with God. And I'm saying that word because I want you to keep that word in your spirit today because that's where we want to end up. Not in the tent, that tent, but in a place of tabernacling, tabernacling with God. I keep tripping over it, but I'm going to keep saying it. God was again, therefore, in regular conversation with man, with, in his case, Moses. And the people, you'll note the stories as you read the Bible, that the people didn't want to have a conversation with. They said to Moses, you go and talk to God. We don't want to get there in case he's going to deal with us. So again, mankind, in the particular relationship reconnection that God had in his heart to do back through the children of Israel, the Hebrew nation as it became, he wanted to have a conversation, but the people are going, no, 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 speak to him. Talk to that bloke. You know, he'll be the one that's in your presence and get burnt up if it's all bad. And so people held back from hearing the voice of God. And God's going, hello, hello, hello. And they're going, not us, not us, not us. God's voice was still being spoken out and he was calling mankind back into relationship with him but mankind was saying no we don't want to hear your voice it's scary stuff over time god went from moses to the kings to the prophets and then we come up to the time of jesus now how's that for a quick pricey of a few thousand years <clears throat> but that's what happened god wanted to have have man know his voice, wanted to know his heart. And he said, I'll put my spirit on the kings. So the kings will be a conduit for my word to the people. They'll hear from my heart. I'll put my spirit in them and on them, that, that they will hear what I'm saying and they can speak to the people and tell them of my love for them and my plan for them. And then he said, and the prophets, they'll talk 
what's in my heart for tomorrow, for the next year, for the future. And so God had two channels of communication, one the kings and the other the prophets, so that the people wouldn't be left without knowing. The word tells us God doesn't do anything without revealing it first to the prophets. He, he didn't want to surprise them anymore. He didn't want to burst into flames in the middle of a meeting so that they'd all run scared. Not unless he told them first he was going to do it. And so this is the picture of God, pursuing a relationship where we would hear his voice. So in a stage left Jesus. We're now at a time where Jesus has come. And we're in the time of the new revelation of God himself by himself. Jesus has come. And Jesus is meeting with a guy called Nicodemus or spoke to Nicodemus one day and he said, Nicodemus, if you want to have this relationship with God, which God wants to have with you, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, I didn't come down in the last shower. I know I can't be born again. That's silly stuff. And Jesus said, no, it's not, Nicodemus. You need to be born again. Not like you're thinking, not by being re-entering into your mother's womb, not that kind of born again, but born again in the power of the Spirit. If we go to John 3, we read those words. Somewhere in my Bible is John chapter 3. I probably should bookmark these things, I don't, but anyway. John 3, <clears throat> verse 6 and 7. Jesus said, or 5, 6 and 7, you're not listening. <laughs> you're not listening. How's that for? I didn't even know that was there. I hadn't remembered that. You're not listening. Let me say it again. Are you listening? Are we listening? Okay, let me say it again. Unless a, per a person submits to this original creation, the garden-type creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. That's Jesus. Not possible. Unless we go back to that kind of relationship that existed before we held hands with the devil. But the person... Sorry. When you look at a baby, it's just that. A body you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within us, formed by something you can see and touch, you can't see and touch. Read it properly, David. The person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch. The spirit. And then becomes a living spirit. So what happened was the spirit that was in us at creation died and began to die because God did not want us to eat from the tree of life. He didn't want us to go and live forever in a relationship estranged from God. God chose to kill us after we said no, after we said yes to Satan because he didn't want us to live trapped to a relationship with Satan forever. Now, we didn't understand all that stuff until Jesus came and made it clear. And God's saying to, to us that he wants to birth us again the way we were birthed in the garden before we met Satan. That's what happens when we're born again. Okay? You get that? That's really important because sometimes we think, yeah, I'm born again, but I'm still in the same shape and stage. No. It's different when you're born again. You are a new creation. You have been born anew into a new relationship and part of that is that God will be able to speak to you and you will be able to hear his voice. I'm excited about that. I think that's important. It makes me be a lot more than who I think I am. Not that that's that important, but it, it means that there's things I can see and do and become part of because I've got God with me and God's talking to me. I don't have to hear from God through other people. I don't have to hear from God by saying, I'll watch for the open door. I can hear from God because he'll speak to me. 
He'll say to me, David, don't go through that door. That's not a good door. I'll say, okay, Lord, show me which door. I don't have to stand there and wait for a door to fly open. God will actually point me to a door and I walk towards it. Then it will open. That's my experience of walking in the spirit. And so God said to us clearly through Jesus in verse 7 of John 3, so don't be so surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that, you hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's going next. That's the way it is with everyone born from above by the wind of God, the spirit of God. That's how we're born anew. You get it? Let me read it again. Don't be surprised when I tell you you have to be born from above. This is what it means to be born again. Okay? It's a whole different dynamic to just feeling like I've got to be a new me. It's an event that takes place by the power of God in and over the life of everyone who says, I'm going to trust Jesus for what he's offering. We don't have to declare a sinner's prayer. We don't have to go through rituals. We don't have to even be baptised. That's a sign after the event. The event happens when we say yes and the Holy Spirit comes on us and we are born again in the eyes of God and in the reality of the spirit realm. It's done by God, not by us. All we've done is gone and said, yeah, I'll have, I'll have that. Thank you, Lord. Now, baptism is good because that is a sign. Nothing magical about going into the water. It's a sign that we have already said, I don't want the old me, I want the new me, the one that you're creating, the one that you're bringing alive. Please, Lord, thank you, Lord. Amen. That's it. How cool is that? You can do it sitting right there if you haven't done it before. You haven't got to run outside and run around the block three times and cross yourself before you sit down again to be saved. None of that stuff. That doesn't happen in the way that Jesus talked about it. It's a new deal. So Nicodemus is trying to undo all the stuff he's learned all his life. He's going, oh, hang on, that, uh, what about circumcision? Uh, well, no, you don't need to do that either. Really? That'd be a cool deal for the guys. So the whole thing is turned on its head. And the purpose of that is that we can reconnect with the Father the way the original plan and design was. That we can come to be part of the kingdom of God as it was originally planned. And we have dominion and authority as we had it in the beginning in our new person. We have it. We have dominion over the earth. That doesn't mean that we need to join the green movement and, and, and not drill for oil. doesn't mean that. It means we have dominion over the earth means we can make a choice that will bring God's glory into the earth, whether you drill holes or whether you don't drill holes. We get caught up, you see, with the whole side issue, the side event of the reality of what the kingdom of God is like in the earth. And, and because it sounds like we can do something to help God. You know, there was a big earthquake just off the coast of Indonesia and there's a tsunami happened. You know that one earthquake does a huge amount of change in creation. Earthquakes are part of the brokenness of creation. God didn't originally design the earth to have earthquakes. He designed it to be a place of beauty and calm and peace. Earthquakes came when Satan had dominion. I totally believe that. You can if you want to, you don't have to, but I'm telling you what I believe. And I believe that God made the world and he said it was good. That meant there wasn't going to be an earthquake. There weren't going to be volcanoes. Volcanoes spew more gases into the atmosphere in one hit than mankind can save by not cooking on wood for the next 200 years. And we get all excited about, oh, look, I, I've saved a tree. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not against saving trees, okay? All I'm saying is we get out on pendulums sometimes and we start running around saying, I'm, I'm helping the earth. 
God bless you to help the earth, but more importantly, pray for God's created order to come into the earth, that we would all see his kingdom come. I'm not trying to be radical. I'm just telling you what I think God's saying to me to say to you today. Now, maybe I'm not hearing his voice straight, and you can take it away if you don't want to, but I'm telling you what I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to speak today. It may or may not end up on the podcast. I'm not the one that will determine that. However, Jesus said, this way of living, in John chapter 1, let me read, this is, this is really important. I mean, all the Bible's important, isn't it? Hey? You like the Bible? I do. I love the Bible. Let me read John 1. I love this. This is actually a mirroring of a lot of what was said in Genesis 1. The word was first, Jesus. And this is the, the message again. The word present to God. In other words, Jesus was with God. He was present to God. He was, he was hanging in, hanging out with him. The word was God. Oh, there's a clarity. Jesus and the Father are both God. In readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Now, this is John speaking of Jesus, okay? Nothing, not one thing came into being without him, without Jesus. What came into existence was what? Life. And the life was light to live by. That spark, the light to live by. That's what came with Jesus. And the life was light to live by. The life light is what John is then describing Jesus as. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness could not put it out. Now in the other scripture it says the darkness couldn't understand it. In other words, the victory of Jesus over the, the dominion of Satan, Satan doesn't even understand it. He can't get close to it. He can't, he can't stop it because the ultimate power and victory that's in Jesus is way greater than anything that Satan has released in the darkness. So don't think you're in a fair fight when you take on the darkness. You've already won with Jesus, okay? It's not a, maybe we're going to win this one. No, we've won because we stand with Jesus and he's won. He's the light that has overcome the darkness and the darkness cannot, cannot overcome the light. That's a truth that you want to take to the bank and live with every day. I'll jump down a bit. The life light, verse 9, was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. Oh, everyone that's born again, he brings into light. Brings you out of the darkness into light. I think that's a good deal. He was in the world, but the world, and the world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. How's that? Jesus creates the world, he comes into the world and the world walks past him. Didn't even notice. Because why? Our heads are in darkness until we come into the light. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. The Jews didn't want him. But, but, whoever did want him, Whoever believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves. The actual design, the original design, he made us to be like our original design, our true selves. Those, these are the be God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten, but spirit begotten. It's black and white. It's darkness and light. It's death and life. There are no middle grounds. We're either alive or we're dead. We're dead in our sins, which means we're dead in our separation from God. It doesn't mean you're dead because of your sin. It means you're dead because you haven't come alive properly the way God designed us to come alive, to be back to the original design of how we were before we as mankind held hands with it. Am I making sense? 
Is this sitting in your spirit as okay? Because I pray that your hearts would receive this word this morning. It's important that you hear this word. It's important that you know that God is wanting to speak to you personally this morning. Hopefully he already is, but if he hasn't yet, we'll make sure that happens before we finish. This light right way has come through Jesus. This connection to God comes when we're born again. When we agree that God is good and Jesus is our rescuer from darkness and we say yes to the life light. Now, you know, as I said, there's no formula for that. Each of us has probably had those that have given their hearts to Jesus and been born again a different experience of how that's happened. Can you hear me okay up the back? Okay, just wanted to check because the rain, I, I don't know whether to be louder or, or not. I can be, but I don't want to bang on your ears too much. So this new person has come about by the seed of the Holy Spirit hitting us and life explodes. That's what comes. That's what happens. And so when you've had that born-again experience, you didn't do anything. God did it all. He went boom, and you came alive as a new person. Now, you may not have felt anything happen, but it did. It absolutely did happen when you said, I want to be born again. It happened. Now, if you've never said that, I want you to say it today for your sake. And we'll come to that later. But hang on to that. Because if you've never said, Lord, I want to be born again, then God wants to do his part of the deal. So God ignites this new spirit life in us. A very specific event, all orchestrated and undertaken by God with nothing but a yes, thank you, Lord, from us. This new person will live forever. That's who lives forever. The born again you. The old you is going to die. You're not going to go anywhere unless you're born again. Well, no, you're going to die. You're going to end up in a place of total separation, of no connectedness. God showed me that once and it's a horrible, it's a horrible place. But people who aren't born again aren't going to die in their spirit and it will not be a good ending. Now, I don't like preaching or speaking to say, you don't want that, you want God. I want to promise you that now, before then, is a much better deal if you say yes. Because there's a whole life that God wants you to live and, and, and enjoy with him. So this new person will live forever and become the expression, hear this, of positional authority already planned before the garden disaster. The expression of positional authority is given to us when we are born again. Now, I talked about a tabernacle. The other part of this new life expression from God's end is he wants to tabernacle with each of us, personally. To have face time with Jesus. I, as I wrote, I thought, my, the, the generation there, they all do face time. You know, they FaceTime one another. God wants to do FaceTime with you and me. He does. He wants to do FaceTime. That's who God is. Not a distant, I'll look the other way and let the thunder come, which is good. But there's a, Michael, I just want you to know that I think you're awesome the way I created you. Hey, that's what God says to you today. But he doesn't want me to tell you, I'm, I'm being his voice to you. As I was sitting there worshipping this morning, I was reminded of Susanna Wesley. For those of you that don't know Susanna Wesley, she was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who were the founders of the Methodist Church. Now, Susanna Wesley had 19 children. I think nine died at childbirth, but 10 survived. And she prayed a lot. She tabernacled with God. The only way she could find a place to tabernacle with God was she would be cooking in the kitchen and she would flip her apron up over her head. And the kids knew when she did that, she was talking to God to give her space. That's, that's a true story. 
That was her tabernacle. That was her private space with God. And what a powerful woman she was in her communion with God. Ah! Yeah. See, a tabernacle place is a meeting place with God. We think that we have to go somewhere. Also, the Lord reminded me this morning about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, where she, we, she challenged Jesus. She said, oh, you know, the time's coming when, you know, we, we don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship. You know, Jesus said, you're right, a time is here now when you don't have to go anywhere to worship in spirit and truth because God is spirit. Meet with him where you are. See, that's what we have to not forget, that the place of tabernacling is here with God. Your tabernacling place is when you cut out the rest of the noise going on around you and you and God have a face-to-face time. You have face time with God here, wherever you are. You don't have to go to a cathedral. You don't have to come here. You do it in the private, quiet space. Now, we tabernacle with God. We're meeting with God now. But there's a personal space where God wants to speak to you, Anna. Just him and you. Not with interpreters, not with other people, just him and you. Okay? And that can be when you're riding your bike down the road and the magpies are chasing you. But it's you and God time. Yeah. That's tabernacling with God. I want to bless you to tabernacle with God. That's what I want to pray for you today before we stop. So that you will have this face time with God and you will hear his voice. Let God have his say for a minute. Thank you, Lord. This morning when I wanted to go out for my walk, Carol said to me, don't go, it's going to rain. Wow, Gail's just reminded me that in the Jewish calendar, today is the final day in the Feast of Tabernacles. When they celebrate, I'm totally not in my calendar. Thank you. You see, tabernacling is good. (laughs) God said to the the Jewish people, do this, don't forget. That was one of the things that God was really hot on in the old relationship he had, was don't forget. He said to the fathers, tell your children, tell them over and over and over the stories of my communion with you, of my journey with you, of my history with you. Don't forget the times when I've met with you. I've met with you in, in, in the desert. I've met with you in the, in the dry places. I've met with you here and there and there and there and there. Don't forget these things. Tabernacling is important to God. Thank you, Gail. That had totally gone from my head. So God is spirit. Now that's, I need to say that. God is spirit. You can't go down the street and shake hands with God in the main street. I know some people have because God is with people. They believe it is God and God can be there by his spirit. But the Father is not a physical form. The Father is spirit. Jesus is the physical form, expression of the spirit who has come to show himself to us as human. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is Spirit who roams the earth and is our counsellor and our guide personally. So we have three persons of God, the Godhead. Now, I know that they are all equal and they all are one, but I still believe that God the Father is honoured by Jesus and the Holy Spirit as number one, if you like, because they want to honour God. They want to honour the Father. Who was the one that spoke first? At least that's how I understand it. But when he spoke, he spoke with Jesus, (laughs) you know? How do we work this stuff out? I can't even begin to tell you. 
It's got to happen in your heart. But it is in the book. And if you want to argue with me, argue with God, not with me, because it's in the book. So <clears throat> we have here this communion with God the Father. And, and he wants us to have a relationship with him and to have this dominion over what's going on in the earth. Now, I like to pray for people for their circumstances. And <clears throat> when I pray for people, let's assume I'm praying for Carol. And I do that, just in case you wondered. And so, and Carol says to me, I really don't feel, I've got a bad headache, let's assume, she says. And this is, this is not a particular event, but I'm telling you the process I go through when I'm praying for people. So I say, Father, I just thank you for your goodness, for your love and your power and your desire for us to come into this connection with your wholeness. Thank you, Father. And Jesus, I thank you that you've come into the earth to deal with all the brokenness in the earth and you've had victory over all this brokenness. So Jesus, in your name, I stand in that place of authority that you've given me and dominion over the brokenness and I speak to the brokenness. And I tell it, get off, get out, get away in Jesus' name. You've got no claim to Carol's head. And then I say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Would you come and would you release your peace and your healing? So the three persons of God are involved in that healing prayer. And that's how I approach healing prayer. Just thought I'd share that with you. It involves God in all of who he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, some people say, oh, you don't have to do that. That's fine. If God wants to heal another way, I'm happy with that. But that is how I do it. And I, can, I, I think that's a very complete way of dealing with brokenness and sickness. I'll go through that again. Okay. I speak to the Father and I just thank him for his love and his goodness and his desire that we would live in a place of wholeness, not in brokenness. And then I thank Jesus that he's actually claimed that space back that we gave to Satan, that the brokenness has authority. It doesn't have authority, not in my life where I stand on the promise of Jesus and I stand on the promise of Jesus for the person I'm praying for. It has nothing to do with them. I'm just saying, I know that Jesus has dealt a death blow to that which is trying to bring death to this person. And so I tell it to stop. And then, once I've done that, I then say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here to bring, bring the new life back, the life of the Spirit and the life of healing into the body. So the three persons of God I speak to and I relate to when praying for healing. Is that okay? Good. I, I think that's important. Uh, for those of you that may be interested, I'm going to do a series on this in our kinship group. We meet on a Wednesday night at the Mercy Centre at 7.30 and over the, the next few weeks I want to focus on that because it's one of the things that we sort of put our toe in the water on last, last weekend but we didn't run it home, I don't think. It didn't for me. That's why I want to focus on it because it's so important. Because we can stand up and we can go on and on and on without listening to what God... When I speak to the Father and say, thank you, I'm also listening for what he's prompting. I'm trying to hear what he's saying about the circumstance. What's causing this? And there's a lot of causes that are there. So, we need to tabernacle with God to hear his voice. We get into a place of just you and him. You and him, FaceTime, FaceTime. Look, and, and you know, you say, well, no one's seen the face of God and lived. Well, we won't go there, but I can look at God's face. And when I look at God's face, I look at his eyes. I don't look for God's face. I look and I see the Father's eyes. And I see the love in his eyes. I sometimes see the tears in his eyes when he's distressed. But my face time with God is his eyes. Just so that you know, for me, that's how it is. And then, Jesus, I got a full-blown, Jesus is a man there, and, you know, I don't get into dialogue about his face either, but I have a, a more relaxed sense of a face that I don't sort of, I couldn't draw it for you, because, again, it's the eyes that I see. So face time with God.
And the other thing is when you meet with God, you're meeting with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even though you're having a conversation with the Father, Jesus is right beside him. So don't be surprised if there's a three-way conversation. That often happens. I'm talking to the Father and Jesus says, but don't forget this. Oh, thanks, Lord, I forgot that. It's that kind of conversation. Is this okay? I want it to be. I want it to be life because God wants to FaceTime all of us. You know, they've only invented that on the web in the last 10 years. God's been wanting to do it forever. Have FaceTime with us. And we don't need a phone. <laughs> no data charges. So this meeting place with God is actually wherever we are at the time. You can be driving down the road, having FaceTime with God. A little dangerous perhaps, but it's still okay. I prefer that it's when I'm not driving, although quite often I have a conversation with God when I'm driving. But, but I, when I'm walking, talking, in the morning I like to take some time out and I sit with God at around about 4.30 to 5.30 and we FaceTime. Now we FaceTime by me picking up the word and reading and going, wow, Lord, I hadn't seen that before. And then I hear his voice and then he says something. FaceTime is your time that you set apart to have with God. Susanna Wesley, she was so busy with umpteen kids trying to keep a house together, she would be standing at the kitchen making scones or bread and then flick the apron up over her head. I've, I've got to talk to you, God, in the middle of this craziness. That was how she switched off from what was going on around her. That's important to do, to try to focus on Jesus, the Father, and let everything else become a shadow of who he is in that conversation, in that dialogue. In John 5, Jesus says to us, and here's Jesus, the Son on earth, God on earth, God in human form, as well as God himself, although he left a lot of his godship behind in heaven, we're told. But the Holy Spirit is upon him. He's the God, the Spirit came on him in the Jordan. And here's God, Jesus, in John 5, saying, I can only do what I see the Father doing. John 5, 19. That, that really grabs me, that scripture. In other words, Jesus, who is God, does not want to step outside of the relationship of what's going on in the Father's heart and re as revealed by the Father to do his own thing. That's dishonoring to the Father. He wants it to be as it is and it was in the beginning, that they do stuff together. And that's also what's meant to happen for us in FaceTime. God speaks to us, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, about what's on their heart for us. Now, does this mean life is simple? No. <laughs> you know, it might sound like I'm suggesting that because we have FaceTime with God, that everything falls neatly into place for us after that. Well, my testimony is it doesn't happen like that. My testimony is that I know what God is saying and I trust that and I go ahead with that, but I'm stepping out into a broken world. I'm stepping out into a darkness that the light has overcome, but I'm not necessarily all aware of what I'm dealing with until I get there. And so we have to stay alert. Remember, I've said it before a number of times, I like being called alert because I want to be alert all the time to what's going on in the kingdom. So call me Lurt if you like. That's another nickname you can give me. Say, good day, Lurt. <laughs> and I'll answer you, probably, <laughs> unless I'm having my contemplative time with God. Anyway, so, but there's, we need to stay alert to what's going on around us because we are then the light advancing into the darkness. And the darkness doesn't understand it, but knows that there's authority in the light. And so you're marching out into the darkness. You're marching out into a broken situation, carrying the light of God with you. And so you're going to be in what's called a conflict or a war zone. But it's better to be in the war zone with Jesus than in the war zone without Jesus. 
I learnt that a long time ago. So God is not asking us to guess what we're supposed to understand going on in his heart. He's asking us to have face time with him, to hear his voice and committing to what God is suggesting to us as we understand it, as we listen to his voice, as we have this time out with him in the moment of every day. It's good to have this time with God all the time. That's the best way. But there's often interruptions, like people speak to you and we do life with others. But the Holy Spirit is traveling with us in that and we can, in a blink, in an instant, we can switch off our circumstance and say, what do you think of that, Lord? We need to do that. We need to be willing to lean into, lean into the Holy Spirit because he's there, what, as our counsellor and our guide. That's who he is. That's, how, that's the role he plays in our new born-again state. So he says, just lean into the Father. Hear what he's saying to you right now. I think that's about it. You want to hear the voice of God for you? Do you want to do some FaceTime with God now? I think that would be cool. Why don't we all stand up and have some FaceTime? I just want to say too that all the songs we sang this morning that were just so all about the voice of God and how awesome God is, God was, God was preparing us for this morning that we could have this time with him. So remember what I said, it's personal. The fact that you're in this building means nothing other than the fact that you're in this building. This is for you and God to have time together. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to shut down and in the name of Jesus take authority over interruptions that would interfere with you hearing right now the voice of God for you. So Father, I thank you that your desire from the beginning before the beginning was that we would do face time with you, Lord, that you wanted to have this place of meeting with us where everything else gets shut out and we just say, Father, thank you for being you. What do you want to say to me today? What do you want to say to me now, Lord? And Lord, let us hear your voice. So come, Holy Spirit, come and wash through our minds, wash away the, the things that have been blockages to us hearing the Father's voice and seeing his face. Holy Spirit, let the good kingdom come here now and connect us, connect us, Holy Spirit, connect us as we take this time to be with God. Father, speak. We as your servants are waiting on your voice, Lord.